There is one more opportunity to join in with the summer choir next Sunday, yes. right, Ed? And, and, and you don't even have to rehearse. Two more Sundays. There's two more Sundays. You got, you got, you got two weeks. You're good. Uh, as we uh, get close to wrapping up our, our summer series in James, we're in a section this morning that is appropriate Appropriate for today, appropriate for this weekend as we, we kind of awaited what this Hurricane Hillary thing was going to be for us, what it might bring for us. Some of us heard the news and we went straight to the store and got bottled water and toilet paper like it was March 2020 <laughs> to prepare for the unknown of what was coming. Some of us shrugged it off completely because surely... Surely the forecasts were exaggerated. We thought there hasn't been a a hurricane in Southern California since the 1930s, and we've had nothing but beautiful days for the last three weeks. This is nothing. I'm guessing that most of us were somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. With all the the damage that we've had on our our church campus this this past year because of the rain, um, I know that I have definitely been paying attention. This last Friday, Peter and I were were here putting tarps out on the stairs out there that caused problems for our library. We were packing uh, sandbags to to put them in to try to divert the water into the drain that's a new drain that hopefully should work. Um, But I know I at least paid attention, and hopefully we, we all paid attention a little bit. The threat of a storm of this magnitude isn't something we should necessarily take lightly. And at the same time, we can't really know how severe it's going to be until it arrives. Right? I've been watching, if you're anything like me, I've been watching the the ticker on my phone of, is it going to get here at 10? Is it going to get here at 10.30? Is it going to be five inches of rain? Is it going to be half an inch of rain? Is it going to be windy? Is it not going to be windy? The part of James that we're in this morning reminds us to be patient in the midst of chaos. In the midst of chaos. He had just written about the importance of of paying attention to the the present. To to paying attention of what was right in front of us. uh, About the dangers of getting too far ahead of ourselves. And then he had given this stark warning about how we should use our resources. And then picking up at verse 7, reading from Eugene Peterson's translation, in chapter 5 we read this. Meanwhile, friends, wait patiently for the master's arrival. You see, farmers do this all the time, waiting for their valuable crops to mature, patiently letting the rain do its slow but sure work. What a perfect verse for today. (laughs) Be patient like that. Stay steady and strong. The master could arrive at any time. Friends, don't complain about each other. A far greater complaint could be lodged against you, you know. The judge is standing just around the corner. Take the old prophets as your mentors. They put up with anything, went through everything, and never once quit, all the time honoring God. What a gift life is to those who stay the course. You've heard, of course, of Job's staying power, and you know how God brought it all together for him in the end. That's because God cares, cares right down to the last detail. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. After church, after our worship service last Sunday, I I, I headed out to my son's baseball game in in Simi Valley. It's something we've gotten used to uh, this summer. And 
I thought I was heading to a, a championship game of a relaxed and fun wooden bat tournament. It was the last tournament of the summer, which is kind of a joke. This is the last tournament of the, tournament of the summer. This weekend was the first tournament of the fall. So it was the last tournament of the summer. It was uh, to, to raise funds and awareness for childhood cancer. It was a wooden bat tournament, so the kids got to play with the bats that the pros use. It was supposed to be just fun. But after the first pitch of the game, it was clear that it was anything but a relaxed environment. And it wasn't the kids who were on edge. Who do you think it was that was on edge? The parents and the grandparents and the people in the stands. Tempers flared. Cheering back and forth from one side of the stands to the others turned into yelling and name-calling. And before long, it blew up into one of the worst things I have ever seen in youth sports. The game had to be called in the third inning. Not because of what was happening on the field, but what was happening in the stands with the parents. It was absolute chaos with two 16-year-old umpires trying to manage the chaos of it all. I walked away wondering what, what could have been done to keep the situation from escalating as far as it did. Now, whether it's, it's youth sports or some other type of competition or something more serious, as followers of Christ, we are, are called to respond differently to those sorts of situations when they arrive in our lives, when the, the tension in our world just bounds up and bounds up and mounds up and then feels like it's going to burst. As followers of Christ, we are called to respond differently, differently when that sort of thing happens. And it's inevitable. It's going to happen in your life. It happens all the time in all of our lives. We're called to be patient in all seasons, even, even in times of uncertainty, when we don't know what the storm is going to bring, and, and in times of chaos. Now, when James wrote this letter, like many of his contemporaries, he, he believed that Jesus was going to return at any moment. So when he called his readers to turn from sin and to fully align their lives with what they claimed to believe, he was operating out of that paradigm. Jesus is coming. So, so act in a way that's in accordance with what you claim to believe. Jesus is on his way. In our world today and in our church today, we might not quite operate from that same sort of paradigm. We might not feel that same sort of, of pressure, but we are called to be patient in the same way that they were. First, first James reminds us that God's timing isn't our own. I'm guessing most of us have had one of those moments where we expected God to show up and it didn't happen. And we say, God, come on, why doesn't your timing match with mine? We prayed and prayed and prayed for healing and didn't get a response, or at least didn't get the response that we wanted. We asked for a sign, just, just one thing to remind us that God was still with us, that God was still holding us in God's hands, and that sign never came. Or we turned to Scripture looking for encouragement and opened it up and said, Ah, not feeling very encouraged here. How many of you have ever been there? I know I have. 
One of the reasons that we refer to following Jesus here at WPC as a journey is we want to acknowledge that while God meets us and moves us, meets us right where we sit and moves us, goes along with us, journeys with us, we don't always have control of the path or the pace of the journey. Sometimes we go fast, sometimes we go slow. Sometimes things line up and and faith just makes sense. And other times, sometimes most often, we can't quite explain what God is up to. So James, he he uses an illustration most of his readers would have understood to to kind of drive home this point. He says, hey, a, a farmer plants a crop, waits for the rain, and then waits even longer for it to bear fruit. Sometimes that process takes multiple seasons. Farmers, they have no control over the rain, and we have no control of the timing of Jesus' return. That's what, what James is saying. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be diligent as we watch, as we wait, as we work. In Matthew 24, <clears throat> Jesus is talking about this, this same sort of idea, and he, he uses Noah as an example, and how surprised Noah's neighbors had to be when the storm came. Hey, it wasn't like today. They weren't looking at their phones saying, when's it coming? When's it coming? They had to be surprised. And Jesus says, it's going to be a surprise. It's going to be a surprise. And for most people, there will be a little bit of a shock. But as we're reminded over and over and over again in Scripture, we can find peace in that uncertainty as we lean into God. We need to stay strong and steady, like a farmer, like a farmer relying on the rain to do its slow but important work. So after James reminds us that God's timing isn't our timing, James calls us to be patient with one another. He, he, he says, don't grumble about one another or you'll be judged yourself. The image he paints here is of two siblings harboring bitterness against one another for a long time, for years and years, and never talking about it. It's what happens when a a brother or or a sister has a problem with the other, and instead of going directly to that sibling to work things out, they, they, they go to someone else. My kids do that all the time. I'm throwing them under the bus this morning. Right? We're, we're, we're in the room, we're downstairs, my, my wife and I will be downstairs and, 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 and talking, and before long we hear, Mom! Shoot, it happened in the car right this morning. We'll hear, Mom, we'll hear, Dad, can you, you come and, 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 and do something? Piper took my toy. Thomas is in my room. I did it when I was a kid, too. You, you, all, you all did as well, I'm guessing. And it's one thing when, when kids do it, when kids need a parent to come and referee, But it's another when it's adults holding on to something for years and years. You may have heard that saying that that harboring bitterness is like swallowing poison yourself and then expecting the other person, the person that you're bitter against, to die. It's illogical. It doesn't make sense. And James is as direct as he could be. He says, don't hold it in. Don't grumble about other people. Don't place blame where it might not be warranted. Go and talk with each other. The early church would have had plenty of reason to complain, to complain with one another. Life 
Life itself wasn't easy, and they were trying to figure out how it looked to follow Jesus. And there are all kinds of struggles. The same is true for us today. Our problems might look different. Our challenges might look different. But there's still struggles. And it would be easy, or it is easy, it is easy to, to complain or grumble, to lose patience with one another, to point fingers about what is or isn't happening. And I think James would answer our problems and questions today in the same way that he answered them in the early church. Jesus is coming. Focus your attention on Jesus. Yeah, there's a lot of problems. Focus your attention on Jesus. Lastly, he, he calls followers of Christ to be patient in the face of suffering. Now, throughout this sermon series, I've said that the, the whole reason that James wrote this letter is because he was passionate about the church. And so he's addressing the, 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 Jesus' disciples as, 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 from this passionate place, just saying, come on, guys, we can, we can do better. Let's, let's do this. His instructions for them come out of that passion. And often those instructions come across as, as harsh. But here, here he's not giving instruction. As he looks back to the prophets who suffered and persevered, it's not about instruction. He's empathizing, to, to use what, what Faith talked about earlier. He's offering comfort. He's offering support. He says, look to the prophets before you and what they went through. Look, look to Job and be encouraged by their example. He, he points to Job's perseverance, and his readers would have been familiar with Job's story. They would have known that he lost everything, his livelihood, his family, his, his home. And we often hear this phrase when we, we talk about James chapter 5, the patience of Job. How many of you have heard that, that phrase before? The, the patience of Job's. It's often a phrase that we associate with this part of James, but, but Job wasn't necessarily patient. If you read through Job's story, he, he's not necessarily patient. He didn't sit idly by and just kind of accept the things that came his way. If you look at his story closely, you see that he grumbled, that he complained through it all, and rightfully so. James doesn't say that he was patient. James writes that he persevered through his suffering. The word he used might be best translated to steadfastness or resilience. As he suffered, he developed resilience. He developed resilience. None of us here today are being persecuted in the, the same way that some in the early church were being persecuted. But that doesn't mean we don't suffer. That doesn't mean... We don't hurt. We've lost loved ones. We've been let down by people we rely on. We've lost jobs. We've had dreams for how we thought our lives would look, be crushed. We have suffered. And the last thing we want to hear in those moments is, hey, you're going to learn an important lesson through this. You're, you're going to learn an important lesson and it's going to be, it's going to be all right. But here, here, that's not what James is doing, thankfully. He's offering encouragement. He's saying patience is developed over time. You're going to get through this. God is with you. Just like the prophets of old. As they wept, God was with them. 
Job looked for reasons behind his suffering throughout his story. And he couldn't kind of put the finger on on what that, that reason was. And yet, he developed resilience as he trusted God. As a result, he experienced compassion and mercy in a way that he couldn't have otherwise. There's a good chance in verse 11 when James writes, As you know, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. That he's writing to Jesus's or referring to Jesus's last beatitude. Something that Pastor Jim unpacked a couple of weeks ago. Jesus says, Blessed are you when people insult or persecute you because of me. Great is your reward and you're in good company with the prophets before you. The encouragement here is that we are not alone. That God cares for us right down to the last detail. And as we learn to be patient with God, as we learn to be patient with one another, and that our timing doesn't always match up with God, we experience God's compassion and mercy. Let's pray. Loving God, help us to be patient in all seasons, through all of life's storms, to be a resilient people leaning on you in and through everything that comes our way. We pray these things in your name. Amen.